0: Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze the music, legacy, and cultural impact of all your favorite pop stars. I'm your host, DJ Louis XIV, and I'm a DJ, writer, and all around pop music fanatic. I've spent my entire life and career thinking about, dissecting, and being obsessed with pop stars their music, their legacies, how they relate to one another, to the larger pop musical landscape, and to culture more broadly. What separates an icon from a mere superstar? Why do some careers become the soundtrack to our lives and why do others flop? Whose work and legacy transcends time and whose feels stuck in it? Every episode of Pop Pantheon, we'll devote an entire episode to a pop icon, from titans of the genre like Beyonce and all the way down to uh, lesser titans, like Nicole Scherzinger. Each episode, you'll hear a little breakdown from me and then some distinguished guests and I will chop it up about their careers, discographies, public personas, live performances, Music videos, feuds, tweets, you name it. And at the end, we'll turn pop into fantasy football, make our final judgment, and place them in the official pop pantheon. Uh Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pop Pantheon. This is DJ Louie, as ever. So glad to have you back with me. I just want to share a couple things up top before we get into this week's stupendous episode. I first just want to thank everybody who... Key keyed with me on Pop Pantheon Pod on Instagram last week, or uh, sorry, two weeks ago, about Justin Timberlake. That was a really fun discussion. I was really interested in everybody's points about how they feel about listening to Justin's music, even if they were sort of fans of it, uh, in the context of the revelations that we've all had about his roles in the Super Bowl incident and his relationship with Britney, and obviously Britney's top of mind for everybody right now because of the stuff that's going on with her speaking out about her conservatorship. So that was really fun, and you guys had so many interesting things to say, and thank you for coming on and sharing that with me. I also wanted to say that a listener pointed out to me that potentially Trixie and Katia talked about Pop Pantheon on their podcast, the bald and the beautiful. And I have been trying so hard to find that clip. Maybe I, I don't know if it actually happened, uh, but if anybody heard that, could you forward that my way? I love them. And I would very much love to know if that actually happened or not. So... Thanks for that. As always, uh, I wanted to point out again that there will be a an accompanying Spotify playlist to this episode that's linked in the show notes. That's going to be something that I now include in every episode and we'll go back and do for the past episodes. And of course, as ever, please follow both Pop Pantheon Pod and myself DJ LOUIEXIV on both Twitter and Instagram. And rate, review, give the show five stars if you're liking it. If you're new to the podcast, check out the mini-sode What Exactly Is the Pop Pantheon if you want some context about what exactly the Pop Pantheon is. And that's kind of it for me right now. This episode is so brilliant and insightful, and we had so many interesting discussions about this week's subject, but also about pop, what it means in a global context versus an American context, what constitutes art and pop, the endurance of celebrities and criticism. I mean, it runs the gamut. So without further ado, here is pop pantheon, Celine Dion.
1: For all those times you stood by me all the truth
0: that you may see Celine Dion is somehow both one of the most quintessential centrist pop acts of all time and yet also somewhat of an enigma in the context of the pop pantheon. Depending on how you look at it, she's either an emblem of the more saccharine, schmaltzy aspects that pop can often be derided for or almost singularly rebellious in her proud commitment to those core elements over the course of her nearly 30-year career. Celine first emerged as a tween French-Canadian star with an almost supernaturally gigantic and pristine vocal talent that could not be denied. Her first single, which was composed and recorded by her family when Celine was just 12 years old, was placed in the hands of music manager René Angelil in 1981. Rene would go on not only to make Celine a superstar, but also to be her husband until his death in 2016. During the 10 years after he received that demo, Rene and Celine worked together to make Celine one of the biggest music stars in the French speaking world with a stream of massive hits and albums throughout that decade. the of her English-language debut, 1990's Unison, and its self-titled follow-up in 1992, Celine launched stardom in America with a series of bombastic, melodramatic ballads and covers that showcased her show-stopping mezzo-soprano, gossamer vibrato, and virtuosic three-octave range. These initial hits, which include Where Does My Heart Beat Now?, Beauty and the Beast, and her cover of Patti LaBelle's If You Asked Me To?, Put her in conversation with a broader movement of big voiced divas who were defining pop radio at this time, like Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, and turned Celine into one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Following her initial English language success, Dion continued to build on the same musical formula, trading mainly in her signature style of melodramatic, broad balladry to bigger and bigger success throughout the mid-90s in both her French and English language careers. Her 1995 French language album, Duh, became the biggest-selling French album of all time. Meanwhile, her run of English language albums throughout this period... 1993's The Color of My Love 1996's Falling Into You and 1997's Let's Talk About Love became some of the biggest selling albums of all time in any language they also featured a panoply of definitive 90's pop rock ballads some of the most enduring hits of that era like All By Myself, When I Fall In Love It's All Coming Back To Me Now Because You Loved Me, My Heart Will Go On and of course The Power of Love Ready for some- continued her run of success throughout the late 90s and early 2000s with hits like A New Day Has Come, That's The Way It Is, and I Drove All Night, although she never again quite reached the chart heights that she did in her mid-90s peak. In the mid-2000s, Celine also became a pioneering performer in Las Vegas' entertainment scene with numerous hugely successful residencies throughout the last 20 years that have paved the way for Pop's eventual takeover of the strip. Initially viewed as somewhat icy and opaque in her public persona, following Angelil's death, Celine has also become increasingly noted for her gregarious, quirky personality, self-effacing sense of humor, and bold fashion choices. She's also maintained a massive and successful touring career throughout the last couple of decades, as well as a beloved, charming, and enduring celebrity presence. Dion has sold 250 million albums worldwide, is recognized as one of the world's best-selling musical artists. She is the best-selling Canadian artist in history, the best-selling artist in the Nielsen SoundScan era in Canada, and the second best-selling female artist of the Nielsen SoundScan era here in the United States, with album sales of 53 million copies. She is also the first and only female singer to have tallied three 8 million selling records in the U.S. since 1991, Her albums, Falling Into You, Let's Talk About Love, All The Way, The Color of My Love, and These Are Special Times, are among the top 100 certified albums ever, according to the RIAA. She has won five Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year and Record of the Year. Billboard has named her the Queen of Adult Contemporary for having the most number one songs on the radio format for a female artist. In 2003, she was honored by the International Federation of the Phonographic Industry for selling over 50 million albums in Europe. Moreover, she was the first artist ever since Michael Jackson to sell 10 million albums in Europe, a feat that no artist has ever achieved except Here with me to discuss the career and music of Celine Dion is writer and host of Call Your Girlfriend, Amina Toussaint. Amina and I got into some really interesting discussions here about Celine's music and cultural reactions to it and what that can teach us about pop music and culture. We talk about society's icky denigrations of quote-unquote guilty pleasures, which yuck. We talk about what constitutes art in popular music and some of the annoying narratives Selena's had to endure at the hands of critics throughout her career. Guys, it's a really interesting conversation. And without further ado, here is my talk with Amina. Okay, so I'm here with Amina Tuso. She is the host of the amazing podcast, Call Your Girlfriend. She's a writer. She has her newsletter on Substack, Creme de la Creme. Welcome to the podcast, Amina. I'm am so honored to have you here. Thank you for having me. What an honor! It's really, honestly, the honor is truly mine. I've been listening to you for so long. Obviously, we've got Lindsay and Bobby as mutual friends, so I am like in the Amina extended universe. I feel
1: Bobby. Like. Are you kidding, DJ Louis? <laughs> you are a legend in the group chat. Always.
0: And also, you were there for the best night of the pandemic: the Who Weekly New Year's Eve Twitch celebration.
1: I mean, you don't understand how much I needed that. Like I, that was a really low moment of the pandemic for me. And mm. that night gave me, it gave me a lot of hope that we could do things, that things would be okay. So I will always cherish that memory as a very, um, a moment of loneliness that was punctuated by by like this really lovely community. It was so silly and
0: fun and meaningful. Oh, I, I mean, literal same for me. And it's, I, you know, it's kind of relevant to our discussion because it was really just nice being amongst other people that just like stand pop so hard and were so enthusiastic about pop music, you know? Like it was just like mm-hmm. being amongst my tribe in that way. Ugh, so real, so real. Okay, so we're here today to talk about one of the definitive divas in the pop canon, miss celine dion and i actually sent you an email asking you to be on the podcast and i said you know i'd love to have you on who do you want to talk about and you named a couple people but i could sense the enthusiasm for celine right in in your words there so talk to me a little bit about why you love celine so much oh like
1: where do you even start with um celine dion (laughs) The thing for me, you know, is I have a little bit of a like a different association with Celine because I'm from a French speaking West African country. I'm from Guinea. I grew up in Europe and Africa. Celine is like is an icon in her own right in in our imagination, like the people who are not American. Right. And I think like a thing that gets really lost in translation is that she was a huge crossover, like francophone to anglophone star. And if you come from the Francophone world, you know, you have a lot of admiration for American pop culture in every way, shape, or form. It's like, that is the big leagues. America is where you set your sights. And so for our little Celine to make it in America, you know, like, that was huge. Part of why I wanted to learn English and moved here for college is because my, like, you know, my, like, pop star that I liked as a kid did it. And I was like, oh, I could do that too.
0: Oh, wow. And...
1: And so the discussions that I have about her with my, like, international friends are very different than the conversations I have about her with my American friends. Because I didn't know until I moved here, for example, that, like, people don't like her and that she is the avatar for, like, bad taste and, like, you know, (laughs) this, like, provincial whatever. And I was like, that's nuts. Because... Any, you know, like anybody with an African mom will tell you that Celine Dion is like important in their house, which is also fair here. It's like the the demographic, that easy adult listening. But for right. me, you know, it was just this very significant moment. Like I remember that we had her first cassette tape at my, um, in my house.
0: Her first, her first French cassette tape. The
1: very first French cassette tape. If you look at the cover for it like she's so cute. It's called La Voix du Bon Dieu which just means like the the good lord's voice or whatever. And she was like like,
0: a teenager at that point.
1: Oh no I think she was like maybe a tween here like for this like this thing. She was maybe like
0: 11 or 12. You know a lot of Americans I don't think fully recognize that before becoming a multi 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 platinum American diva in the 90s Celine had and was basically a teen pop star.
1: Well, yes, she was our she was our version of Tiffany. She was the French style version of Tiffany. Uh. And the fam the family like kind of legend is that, you know, like she's born in this like working class. I wanna say they were like very religious, like Catholic, like one million children, some real just like Ma and pa shit, And she's the one that like breaks through. And and so this album, the the one that I'm telling you about, the cassette rather. There are so many covers on it of other like very popular French songs. So it's like think about like maybe like an Edith Piaf cover or some just like these very like known French songs. So covers and you're like, okay, she sings really well. And then on the B side was this song that is like to 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 just say it, like remains one of my favorite Celine songs because it's the song that I fell in love listening to with her. Right, "Son n'était un rêve," which is it's like a it was only a dream. It was nothing but a dream. <laughs> like Celine hit so if you're around like French speaking people and you want to conjure a memory like people that are my age and you want to conjure a memory of us like very very young like that song will do the trick it has mm. like that kind of nostalgia association
0: so what was she was she just like the biggest biggest thing in this era like was she like for for those in the French speaking world like was she the biggest of the big during that teen era. Well, or? So,
1: so she so like in this teen era, so like with this album, right, she's 12 and like, um, and it's a whole like family Von Trapp thing. It's like her mom is helping her brother's right. composing like this whole thing. And this is the album that they pass to Renee who will eventually become her husband. And this is the album uh. that like really solidifies like, okay, like, we did it at home, you know, like this girl can do it. And then like, can you make something with her? Mm. And immediately she is now, you know, the minute that she signs with um, with Renee as her manager, she enters the system but again you have to like remember the francophone world is like very different it's much smaller it you know like it's not as prestige
0: like just just because i know so much of this audience doesn't understand the francophone world what is like the style of music that she's sort of engaging in and where does she fit uniquely like into that world like what makes her the biggest star of that world so I
1: think that, like, in the beginning, it's very much that she's a kid who has an interesting voice. You know, right. she's a kid who can, like, belt out these tunes. She's She can, like, sing the Edith Piaf song, and you're like, what is this 12-year-old doing? <laughs> like, you know, like, right. being a diva, essentially. Like, she
0: has that Michael Jackson sort of, like, where 100%. the fuck did this kid they, get this voice? And they
1: really try to figure out, like, the style, because it's a lot of nostalgia at first, and then it's this, like, um like French variety, I guess. Um, mm. An American equivalent of that would be I don't know, like maybe this like Barry Manilow kind of I you see. Know, so like adult like, like, con- like adult
0: contemporary kind of
1: adult contemporary. And it's weird again because it's like a kid is doing it, right? right. But, they're exper- but they're experimenting. and um and she like you know, she releases like two more albums. They're very good. Like, she releases three more albums actually. And um uh, they're all very good, they're fun. But the album that like solidifies her in French language is um this album de in nineteen ninety-five. It is to this day still the number 1 best selling French language
0: album. <laughs> All right. So this is really important, what we're establishing here. So basically, Celine's career really runs on two tracks. We've got sort of the American diva of the 90s phase that I think most listeners of this podcast will be familiar with. And then we also have this francophone career, which exists both before it and simultaneous to it, uh, where she's this uh, diva that sings completely in French that I think you know, most Americans aren't as familiar with those songs. So I think one thing that I'd like to set up here is a narrative that's, become sort of ingrained in the Celine legend over time that's established in Dan Wilson's book, the power of love and a lot of critical discourse around Celine is that she's sort of this artless commercial product. That's all about a powerful voice without any sort of like art, uh, redeeming artistic value. And I'd be curious for you to talk about, like, I think you're sort of getting at this already, but just sort of like how she's potentially perceived differently in france if so and like what about francophone culture allows for her to be perceived differently in that way and i'm curious i guess is what she does in her french music fundamentally aesthetically different than what she does in her american okay so in that because
1: because it is a very complicated question which is why i think um that Celine is so like baffling in general and also reactions (laughs) to her are so baffling and I, but I also think that part of her popularity is this, right? Is that anytime if one audience tires of her, she has really conquered the globe. So she right. <laughs> she has many places she has many places to hide, but I I am, um, you know, like to this question like what she's doing in French is very um in the beginning is very hokey and corny. You mm. know what I mean? It is like yeah. 100% like um there is also this perception um you know that like Quebec specifically like where she's from, it's very provincial. It's the way they speak French is, you know, like, it's weird, it's funny. Like, if you are from Europe, we we are constantly making fun of them. And so, right. <laughs> they, but there is something, char- but there is still something charming about it, you know, in right. the sense where, um, and I think that this is maybe what is different, um, you know, uh, from, like, American pop culture and maybe, like, global culture is that there is more of a quality of, like, rooting for our underdogs. So you mm. can roast people, but it is not an indictment of... You know, like everything that they're doing, because at the end of the day, like French culture itself, like I know that in America, people are like, oh, my God, it's it's like the height of culture. French culture is a fucking corny you know what I mean it's like if you, listen, if you watch French TV the programs are corny the music is corny there's a reason that we all like songs in English like it, name three French musicians that you actually like you know that I, are like I relevant
0: I'm like Edith Piaf uh... yeah exactly
1: I'm like you're literally like digging back to like to nostalgia and to like dead people but like yeah. in general it's like French pop culture if American that if like,
0: rapper the rapper who sings the song at the end of Sex and the City MC Solard MC Solard
1: that's the first concept I ever
0: went to. Uh, Iconic. <laughs> my entire <laughs>
1: life, and then yes. uh, and then I went to a Celine concert that same week. So I like oh, I count wow. them both Two. as like my first uh, oh, my wow. first like concerts. Wow. But you know like, but I think that like that's the critical thing that you need to bring to this is that. um some people are okay with, like, being a little more corny. Like, th- mm-hmm. this idea that, like, you have to be cool and reserved or whatever, I think in America is weightier. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist in French. Right. I am just saying that, like, the culture, like, Francophone culture allows um, more fluidly for for this kind of, like, exploration. And gotcha. I also think that, like, you know, it's like, she, she emerges in the early 80s and then in the 90s, so we're li- she's literally morphing in front of our eyes.
0: Right. Well, I think it's so interesting because I, I, in preparing for this, I was just watching endless Celine performances yesterday, which is very fun, highly recommend to anybody. And the things that I wrote down in my notes were, it's almost like the purest form of pop in a certain way because it is schmaltzy and it's so cheesy and it's so broad, but it's, she's so unapologetically earnest about that and un, and sort of, I guess just unapologetic about it that it sells it to you in this way that, like, it's really on you if you're not embracing it on a certain level because she's meeting it on its own terms. She's not apologizing for what she's doing in any way or trying to make it anything that it's not. She stands so behind that that you have no choice, I guess, but to give yourself over and be swept up in the schmaltz of it all.
1: Is under the illusion that when you listen to her, that you're doing something that's like very high art. Right. Exactly. You know, like it's like right. that's not. This is not what's going on here. It's like, right. are you enjoying it? Are you and, and liking it? She is so kooky. She like she sells you on the concept that like it is
0: fun to belt out her song. I feel like the kookiness is something that we've sort of met in Celine, sort of like in later period career. But in these in those early sort of '90s when we when Americans are first introduced to Celine the kookiness isn't really there. It's actually almost the opposite. I mean, zero I, in the French eccentricity. Period, right. Like zero she was, ve- she was almost, there was so something controlled. almost icy about her.
1: Very controlled. Like yeah. even when you look at the album covers, the like, you know, the way that yes, they're positioned. They're very Again,
0: stately. Like, they're very stately and like, you know, icy. They want
1: her way. to be the like adult contemporary. Like you are a woman who is in control. And it's interesting that like her image is so controlled. And the one place that she gets to be like, out of control is how she just like belts out these melodies. Right? Yeah. You know, like where you're like, it's almost incongruous. You're like, this person does that thing? Like, I <laughs> know, no sense.
0: So, Selene emerges in the Francophile world as this huge star. And then she begins to make this crossover into becoming an American diva, but before we totally touch on that, I think an important part of Celine's story is obviously her husband, mentor, manager, Renee Angelil, a huge integral part of the Celine story. So, who who is Renee before Celine? Like, what is what is what's his story?
1: Renee before Celine is um, an artist manager who has had like varying degrees of like involvement in in entertainment. So. Right he he's like much older than her he was a pop singer himself like a long time ago he was like in this pop rock group i'm trying oh. to remember their name they're called like uh les Baronnais or something like not like basically think like a lower rent like beatles like he was trying to do that like canada <laughs> And then he like, and he, and it's like Montreal is small. Again, like you know, it's not Paris. It's like the, the province. Right. And so he knows all of the like entertainers who are like doing pop music and their little group, you know. And he's trying to figure himself out. And then someone sent, or I think it was um, Celine's brother, sent him this demo tape. That's when his manager like agent career came and that also changed the trajectory of his life
0: i see and so and so how is their relationship perceived by audiences before she crosses over and she's this teen dating this older man i mean that's like i
1: mean it's it's very it was it's very strange because i think that if you ask people today with the you know like the way that we culturally talk about this everyone will have the like correct like woke take Right. At the time, you know, like I remember um, French magazine covers and like, um, like tabloids being like, "Ugh, this is weird. He's her, he's her manager and right. he's her husband now. You right. know? But they also like, they never gave us any insight into that relationship. Like they mm. never really Right, like about her, it. her just, celebrity like, persona
0: was very zipped up in this early period. Yeah.
1: It happened and then we never dwelled on it. And in right. fact, like Renee, like, you know, like he had bouts with cancer and he was mm. sick and she was the doting wife at his side. And um when when Renee died, I remember um my with my brother my brother lives in Montreal, like joking that this was their equivalent of um, you know, like if yeah, if like Prince Philip dies. Right. Because <laughs> all of like Canada had come to a standstill. It was like oh, you wow. have to go pay your respects. You had to it's like that's what was going on. But So he's like like as legendary
0: as she is in a certain way in that culture. He's
1: as legendary as her. I think that there was a sense of like he is puppeteering her. You know, like it's not healthy. Whatever is happening here is not healthy. But we don't have a real insight into... We don't know because she looks happy. She's doing the albums. They have these children. Right. And um, and by all accounts, she looks so happy.
0: Like, their wedding was insane. It was, like, right. broadcast live on, like, all that. of Canadian It TV. was, like, 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 the royal wedding of Canada. Yes, it is. It was interesting. I mean, I, I feel like usually, you know, this is my area of expertise. I'm so... I, I, when I was preparing to do this interview, I was just kind of, like, I feel like I just don't know that much about her as a person. Like, I obviously know her through her hits, and I know sort of, like, the our, like broad public perceptions of her. But unlike most American celebrities, it's like, I'm so not tapped into like a narrative that I followed through her career. Celine
1: really like to her advantage had that. She was this like white woman foreigner, you know, where it's like, Uh she's, she's like this exotic bird in the diva nest. Yes. You know? And, and on one hand, it also means that like a, like nobody sees her as a contender.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk, let's just, let's pause for a second and just talk about sort of that moment in the early nineties. So Celine has this huge career in the Francophone world. And then starting in the 90s with her album Unison, she crossed, she begins to cross over and become a massive star in America. And it's part of a boom in music of these big voiced divas that sort of mm-hmm. emerge somewhat as a block. I mean, Whitney was around, I guess, in the late 80s and was big. Mariah and Celine really appear almost simultaneously. And they're doing, I guess, like they're often lumped together and they're seen as doing some version of the same thing. They're both, like, especially in their in that early period of Mariah's career. She's also seen as sort of like a commercial product. They're singing these big bombastic ballads that are all about I mean like
1: Celine s- Kills Lion King she like she's the right. queen of the original soundtrack like star right. song well and you know her know one I mean? of her <laughs>
0: first big hits in America is Beauty and the Beast is singing the Beauty yeah. and the Beast Oh yeah theme beauty song. sorry
1: i said Lion King yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah beauty yeah. and the beast yeah. amazing the stars, true as it can be Barely
0: And, and so I'm, I guess I can you talk a little bit about like what Celine is doing that's either similar or different than Whitney and Mariah in that early period. Like what, what how how do you stack them all up against each other in that sort of early '90s period of their career?
1: I think that, like, what Celine is doing is, like, legitimately, like, the act of crossing over, right? right. Like, she has less flexibility in um, in how she's able to navigate these waters because they've, like, negotiated a big contract for her. She has a huge following in another part of the world, but she really has to prove herself. Right. And this is where I do think that, like, that conversation about race is appropriate. Mm. It's truly, like... The way that Celine is molded and the um, and the the leeway that she's given and the opportunities that she is given, um, she is one hundred percent deserving of. Right. But again, it is hard to um, it's hard to like see um, to not see that like she is also imported as a way to like distance a little bit from these other divas that uh. are you know like more problematic like more it's like everyone is doing their own thing we need someone that we can like uh that can that can
0: really just like deliver the thing that we need without and, with you're saying like without the sort of complicated dynamics Yeah without
1: place. the perception of like being complicated right. and Celine like checks all those boxes like she's super talented she can do it but it's like if you want you're like We want a woman with a big voice who will deliver an emotional moment for a bazillion dollar movie and have that like carry on. Right. Celine can do that. Right, you know, like, And do you, think, do you there's, think there's
0: something about sort of the fact that as you were sort of setting up earlier that like she's so unapologetically about that, whereas like as we come to understand about, especially Mariah, who very much took what she was doing seriously and wanted to be seen as an artist. Do you think the fact that Celine sort of like didn't care about that as much sort of freed her up in a certain way to yeah, like be I mean, the biggest I would, commercial I think thing? I, would, I think I would characterize it differently.
1: I don't yeah. know that Celine didn't care. I know right. that... um I know that she was more shaped by a machine that she did not try to distinguish herself from. Right. You know. Right. Um, and and also I think that like the other thing that's happening is that um, yeah, it's like Mariah Carey like also like broke free from Tommy Mottola, so like right. being her her story like changes in that moment, whereas like Celine like doubles down on her Tommy Mottola. Right. And she's doing all the things that they need to do. And I think that, like, when you remember, like, you know, that she says in that interview, like, she wants to be a part of, like, every, every single human's, like... Big celebrations, right? That's why she goes. You know, it's almost like telling someone like, "Hi, I'm going to give you a big platform. Like, do the platform." And right. she like very uncritically analyzes it. So,
0: but you know, you know what's interesting is I went back and listened to some of those early records. I listened to Unison. I listened to the self-titled album. I listened to the Color of My Love. And what's interesting is that she does try to dabble in other styles beyond sort of these melodramatic ballads that are her signature. Oh my God, the
1: Christmas album, with yeah, the like, reggae, and there's like a know? reggae.
0: There's a reggae song on there somewhere that I was like, oh my God. But my point is kind of like, I actually feel like you know, Mariah and Whitney also dabble in other kinds of music, even though at that early period they are known mostly for their ballads. Like mm-hmm. both Whitney and Mariah are able to do like we're well, obviously Whitney we know in those in that period in the 80s has these big dance songs. We know that Mariah begins even before she breaks up with Tommy to sort of like dabble in some hip-hop influences. Yeah. And when Mariah and Whitney do that, they feel very fluid. Like I'm very much like, oh shit, like these are two women that like yes, can fucking murder a ballad, but they also, it also makes sense. They make sense in other formats. When I hear Celine sort of step outside of that thing she's known for, like these humongous, sweeping, melodramatic ballads, it often feels extremely awkward. Like- It's so
1: awkward. (laughs) Also, you know, like, this is what I mean about not knowing who she is. It's like, she's very much like experiences, you know, it's like camp. Yeah. But I'm like, what's behind the camp? And we won't know until she tells us. But I do perceive that she is someone who is very much um, in control of the kind of experimenting that she wants to do, because you see that reflected in her fashion choices. And the older Celine has gotten, the more just expressive and... You know, she is communicating in her own way, but also she's like, she has earned to putting a weird reggae song on her album if she wants. Like, a, yeah. who in the studio is gonna stop? Oh, that?
0: of course she's earned it, and it's funny and fun. I'm just, it's just intriguing to me because almost that like flatness we get from her celebrity persona at this time yeah. translates into the musical thing because, in a sense, it's like, oh, All of a sudden, when Mariah started to kind of like be like, I'm going to try other shit, like I'm gonna rap Mm -hmm. on a song, I'm gonna do all this stuff, it added so much texture to her persona that was aided and uh, inseparable from the texture we were getting from her personal story, that was all yeah. over the place, and that everybody knew. Whereas with Celine, it's like you get that sort of pristine, perfect thing that she does so well, and then when she sort of tries to step outside of that, it's similar to her personal story, where it's like it's it's opaque and hard to sort of like, wrap yeah, your head just around. Yeah,
1: it's hard to. F- yeah, you're just like, what is happening here? Yeah, and uh, and we have no
0: insight into it at all. But meanwhile, and, you know, but meanwhile, she is. It, I just want to illustrate for the audience. So when Celine crosses over, she goes into a period of albums in the nineties where she it's it would be impossible for me to understate how big these records were. Especially no, like, the color truly of my like, love only and only uh, hits three pointers.
1: My world is so place because of place. You.
0: You're you're me. I mean this girl hits three, is three pointers. I was. I have the facts here. Those records, to this day, those mid '90s records, have are the high. Some of the highest selling records of all time. They're bigger than Mariah's and Whitney's in terms of just pure sales. So, what do you think it is that? Is it? I guess what I'm asking is, is it sort of that uncomplicatedness that allows her to be the biggest, biggest? Like she's alienates no one in a certain way. Proudly.
1: Well, yeah. There is something so completely inoffensive about her. Like, right. You. You know, like she she Purely is inoff-
0: like, exactly. Yeah.
1: She is so inoffensive, yes. which is exactly what she has stated she wants to do. She just wants to be a part of people's lives and memories.
0: Yes. And
1: um and also again like where the international thing comes into play is that she is someone who like can travel fluidly.
0: Yes. Like, right.
1: Throughout all these cultures, you're not trying to explain her. It's not like trying to explain like an African-American artist to uh, an Asian audience. Because whenever we talk about pop music, we yeah. are essentially like questioning people's taste right this is it's like it's what we are <laughs> it's what we are in the business of and I think that's something that I let go a lot like a long 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 time ago is feeling that kind of aesthetic judgment of course
0: like the idea of a guilty pleasure is the my, yeah, like, I, I hate I just, that shit.
1: I don't believe in guilty pleasure there's no and such thing I, if you
0: like it you like it like shut up like it's you don't have to feel bad I, yeah. about anything you like
1: I am, you know, and and it Celine is actually, like, a really good um, place to, to really, to be confronted with all of that is the fact that, like, her music is rooted in this, like, very complicated, like, web of social and, like, cultural circumstances. Right. The accusation of, like, her music is that, like, it's sentimental. It's, you know, like, it's not fun. Um, you know, it's boring. But I'm like, that doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. But at the same time, I'm like, is that a crime? It is not a personality. No. To le- it is, like, it's <laughs> not... Um, it's not a crime to like things that are popular and it's not a personality well, to like be angry at people who like popular things.
0: No, and also it well it you know and we live in a different era with it now. Like there's a whole movement that I know we've talked about on this podcast before about called poptimism where the critical community sort of checked itself on this to some degree and was kind of like we need to take popular music at face value as seriously as we take other genres on its own accord like we're not judging pop music against like these sort of tropes that we come to like judge other music on like rock critics of a certain period were like We judge music on rock's terms. It's about playing instruments virtuosically. It's about writing your own songs. It's about all of these things. And pop music is coming to you on different terms. That is not what it's selling to you are those things. It's selling you something different, and you have to sort of look at it on the terms it's being presented. You know what I mean? But here's what I would say
1: to you about people who like pop music um, is that um, this, like, accusation that we are just, like, simple dolts who are, we just, like, take it for what it is is um first of all it's not true because right. i think that like people who like pop music especially in in this climate and in this culture are actually like we are very critically we are very critically aware of what we're embracing definitely you know? and we know that and i think about that you know the nick hornby let's talk about love essay. Yeah. That is so good, um, which I recommend uh, everyone read. Like he, the the thing that he, he goes on to say that I really appreciate is that like saying that like, you know, judging people for their taste is basically damaging their relationship with culture in this like profoundly unhelpful way. Mm. Because you can be able to like judge work Without denigrating the people who enjoy the work. Yeah. And if you can't do that, it's like condescending to the work itself, to the art. And it's also condescending to the pleasure that we are deriving from it.
0: Absolutely. And in a way, it's like the popularity is the asset. It's like you share that in common with everybody. Like, I. We are embracing the schmaltz. Yes. And like, here is someone who is not ashamed of that. So, Celine did become very known for a very specific sort of song in her peak era. They are these sort of sweeping melodramatic ballads, and I I have one in mind that I'd like to break down with you, just sort of like to illustrate for the audience like what makes a classic um, quintessential Celine song. I have the one in my mind that I'd like to do. I'd be curious what you think is like the most quintessential English language Celine song.
1: Whoa, that
0: is a hard choice. Do you want me to pick? Because I'm happy to.
1: I mean, I want to hear you. I want to hear you out because I have some, I have options. Okay. Are you going to say, are you going to go like Titanic, full Titanic? Mm -hmm. You you know,
0: I'm tempted to because I did want to share this story. I have this very distinct memory of, first of all, I was fucking obsessed with Titanic. Like it was my life, the song and the movie and everything about it. I know that's not like shocking to anybody, but like that was like my existence. And I have this very distinct memory because for the younger listeners out there, we couldn't just go listen to my heart will go on anytime we wanted to on Spotify so I stay I have this very distinct memory of like staying up past my bedtime after my parents put me to bed and like turning on this radio and I had this recorder and I just waited on Z100 for like their hot nine at nine or whatever to come on and I knew it was going to be number one because it was always number one for like a fucking year and I just had to sit there and wait to record my heart will go on which was my favorite I was just because I was so moved by the song I was so moved by like her vocals on it but it was also like the association with the movie or whatever. So I think my heart will go on is like potentially just like in terms of emotional memory, my favorite Celine song. There's I fear. And
1: I know that will
0: but that's not the one I was going to pick. What I was going to pick is it's all coming back to me now. we are definitely on the same page yeah I mean it's all coming back to me now I would venture to say is not only the most emblematic perfect Celine song but perhaps the greatest diva ballad of the 90s in my personal opinion there
1: were nights when the wind was so cold that my body froze in bed if I just listened to it right outside the window There were days when the song I mean that whole album falling into you, but you're right about that song because just the crescendo, the way that it builds, the anticipation, mm -hmm. and just the like the quietness of it is just unparalleled like the yeah, unparalleled. Well, first of all, it
0: is melodrama to the absolute max it is seven and a half minutes long it, go- it builds from these quiet sort of choruses she's very it, it displays the sort of control of her vocals which is like one of her absolute attributes she is the most professional singer like she's able to sort of like have these controlled moments in these in these verses that build into this massive explosion of a chorus
1: you
0: just the chorus itself, but the chorus itself returns two or three times throughout the song and continues to crescendo on maximizing levels each time that you hear it. Oh, I have to tell you, like I, there's few songs that like send a tingle up my spine to the degree that it's all coming back to me now does.
1: Like, I just love to like root for someone who looks like they're having a good time, but also for someone who (laughs) has just like come from so far and, that song is really that I like even I and I told you this earlier It was like the reason that I wanted to learn English is because Celine I was like if Celine can do it I can do it yeah and there is just this like um you know it's like beyond the schmaltz and the emotions and the everything there is just like you always just want to root for her because she looks like she just like needs she needs for you to believe that you believe her And that's all the power ballad is, you know? Yes. And like the emotions are crazy. It's like, it just like, even if you're not feeling it, you are there with her.
0: And they're so bombastic on that song. And I think that that's very sort of important about these diva ballads of this era and specifically Celine. It's almost like an insane level of feeling. Like it's, there's something, um, uh, it's, it's. It, it it takes like a simple feeling and turns it into something operatic that's like the the word that comes to mind on it's all coming back to me now. it's almost like it it's its own opera of like heightened melodramatic emotional release or something like that
1: yeah and it's also just like a you know the, the, the i appreciate it like um in the sense of like here is someone who just like knows her lane like she yeah. does the things that she does very well like uh i think about like every time someone is forcing dua lipa to like dance on a <laughs> stage and like stop doing this to my girl dua lipa like, i've
0: got to tell you uh, i did not expect this conversation was going to incorporate dua lipa but i'm so glad that oh we but you know what i
1: mean like in. there is just this like a way that you're supposed to be on a stage or a way that you're supposed yes. to be at award shows or whatever yes. and i think that the people who are the most like in control of themselves and their audience, just like decides that they are not going to do the thing that they can't do. Like even Taylor Swift is still doing choreographies. Oh, I'm that's like, if you, that's not
0: acceptable. You know, you know what I mean? And that,
1: I was I'm like, sorry. she's still doing choreographies. Uh-uh. And I'm and I, like you're like, please. I I love a Taylor Swift song. I am just saying that like Celine's like like her refusal to like do the other the, the thing that you're supposed to do, and she's right. like, I'm gonna stand here in front of you. I am going to yell and scream and we're going to have a blast yes, together. Yes, yes. And I will take you on this emotional journey. Like this is the contract that we have entered into and I don't need to entertain you any other way because you know me, that is like very
0: powerful. I agree. And I also think that kind of loops back. I mean, maybe I'm framing it wrong by sort of like saying she's not what she does is an art because that's not what I mean. It's more just that... Like, the the joy of – like, there's so many pop stars that you stan that part of stanning them is kind mm-hmm. of, like, being pushed out of your comfort zone. And, yeah. and, you know, I think Beyonce is a good example of that, actually. Somebody that, like, every time Beyonce comes out with a new record, like, she's pushing herself and thus you as her listener to, like, expand – What you think she's doing, and like what, and like push you past what you've expected from her in the past. And I'm not saying Celine hasn't like had evolutions in her career, but she sort of is comfortable, sort of like. As, and I think you've done such a beautiful job of illustrating why this is over the course of this conversation. She just she's that's not sort of fundamental to what Celine is doing. And I think in a certain way that really separates her from a lot of pop stars and especially modern pop stars who feel that impulse when maybe it doesn't even suit them that well. Like Celine was is comfortable sort of delivering what you want from her. And I was even looking back at her set lists from her shows because I always find it interesting to look at artists' set lists, especially later in their career because it gives you insight into like what they want to perform or what they think is fundamental that you need to hear from them. And Celine, like you go to a Madonna show, in contemporary times and she is giving you her entire new album no matter how big of a flop it was and she will give you like three classics of her like you know massive discography of hit records she will give you like three and then she's giving you Madame X in its entirety whether you want that or not Celine Celine is giving you the hits that you want and she seems perfectly content to do that and I think that that's one thing that really sort of separates her she is like the people's diva in that way
1: Something that I think a lot about an artist like Celine, especially like in regards to the ways that people have discussed her artistry, is that there is not respect for the fact that she has also just endured all of that. Mm. There's this James Baldwin quote that I think a lot about in my um in my writing because it's advice about writing, where he says, talent is insignificant. I know a lot of talented ruins. Beyond talent lie all of the usual words, discipline, love, luck, but most of all endurance. Mm and um it's writing advice but i do think that like in the like diva construct it applies because we are so hyper focused on like tearing down some of these like women artists and like dissect every single move that they make sure um and um you know and and i do and i think that like this thing about like talent being insignificant um uh, you know like is is different in this context but I think that like with the way that I apply it with the singers is I'm like their talents are different, but also like you will not get to like ascend, um, you know, and like get your flowers if you are not disciplined, if you don't have the luck and if you don't just like, if you're just not like here to see all of it.
0: A hundred percent. And and the endurance piece is so critical. I mean, there is my appreciation for what these stars, especially women, have to endure in terms of criticism and in terms of scrutiny and in terms of sort of like being batted around by both culture and the industry. I mean, it takes a very special type of person to be able to handle all of that.
1: Yeah. And to like work through all of that and like deliver like, work product and like take a step back and look and, you know, it's like thinking about Selena. I think it's like 28 studio albums. That's insane. Insane. That is an insane insane amount of
0: albums. They work so hard and I do think there's a tendency on the part of culture to underappreciate them, especially when you're not sort of seen as innovative. There's sort of this thing of like, oh, whatever, like what they're doing isn't that hard or something. Or when you see someone who's sort of as pre-naturally talented as Selena is, like obviously she's got this massive natural talent there's sort of a lack of appreciation for the endurance and the hard work and discipline that goes into that
1: yeah i mean like there there are a lot of talented people we like we, we yeah american idol has proved
0: people can yeah, sing yeah
1: i'm like <laughs> we we see them on american idol we walk by them in the subway we are friends with them um having talent and like using that talent to to do the thing that you want to do or to be a singer at this caliber The minute that you want to be a singer of this caliber and that you want to sell millions of albums, I'm like, is the conversation about, like, are you making art or not, like, done? Like, that simple conversation. Right. Because you are already engaged in making something that is hugely popular
0: mm. and
1: so when we start parsing it out and we're like well like Murray Carey is making art and like is not making art i'm like all of these people are trying to sell tens of
0: millions of albums yeah.
1: relax <laughs> like this is all about <laughs> appealing to people it's all about and that doesn't and denigrate their them,
0: art that doesn't denigrate yes, it as it art. doesn't
1: denigrate their art it does right. not denigrate their talent it is just like an uncritical and a really unhelpful way of just like uh like another way of just saying like you don't like things that some people like and I was like that's fine you don't have to like it um but you don't have to lessen our enjoyment of it and also you know like to the point of Celine like it the the millions of things that have to like happen in the world for this like weirdo from Quebec yeah to have this career yes if you can't like look at that and just be like as a human be like this is madness and appreciate that You know, I'm like, I can't help you, but like, love Celine.
0: And it's like art, I feel like to so much for, you know, this is esoteric, but it's like art is so much about just connecting with your pure, authentic self and being able to sort of translate and deliver that to people. And that can look a million different ways. Like that can be, so that can mean like first for one individual sort of like blatant commercialism, it denigrates what they're doing as art and to another person, it could have zero effect and be one hundred percent incorporated in part of it as it it to me art has so much to do with authenticity. and so yeah. if if that's if 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 your true authentic sort of thing you're trying to deliver to the world includes sort of broad appeal and reaching the most people po- possible, that's it's all very individual in that way. And so it's hard to sort of apply universal standards to what is art and what's not art. It has to do with the person, you know. Right. It has to do with the
1: person, but I think it's also a reflection of the listener and where you are at in your journey. Like one of my like my enjoyment of Celine Dion as a like a, a person in her mid thirties now is is a little bit rooted in a performance of like, I you know, like I, I am I am entering the like age that my parents were where that where they were enjoying this. And right. and in that sense, like it amuses me and it's funny. Yeah. You know, like that <laughs> yeah. I was like it, it doesn't need to do more than that. it is I just agree. this like really fun thing, and i I don't have to think about it beyond that, but i I think that there is something like really lovely about carrying these memories, and it's like the music has not changed Celine has like celine has changed, but what Celine the artist is like I'm like that is still pretty static, yeah, agreed it's what sort has of set changed in stone. is like what has changed is like us and what has changed is culture, and it is hilarious and fun and like amazing to still like connect with those feelings
0: and totally and and, and, and not to say amina it's touching Uh, she touches me when i was watching her sing the other day i was just like i'm so swept up in it and if that's not art what what is i mean like it touches you so what 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 else is there really to say about it there's something true about that
1: you know what I mean? I'm just like this is just you can like all of these things can can exist somewhere and like and for me again I'm and that th- this thing that you just said is so true. It's like my the relationship I want to have with art is to just feel something.
0: Exactly. Is to
1: feel something like very profound. A hundred percent. You know, and I think that like the schmaltz that Celine brings and the emotions that she brings, like yes, it's like corny and it is like it's like it's too earnest and it's all of those things. But again, I was like, who does it hurt? Nobody. And also are we not liking it because it confronts us with the fact that we don't know how to be in touch with those emotions. Boom. And you know, and for me, I'm like, I am not good at describing my feelings or talking or like yeah. doing all those things. But right. for the four minutes of a Celine Dion song, I yes. am living in my own personal drama. A million percent. And
0: that's enough. And that's, bu- like, and that's, that's pop at large. It gives you broad emotions that are easy to connect to. And like, that's the beauty of it. Like it's making you feel on these in this big way, and like whether that's about having fun, whether that's about dancing, whether that's about crying, whatever it is, it's like you don't have to necessarily be Walt Whitman or whatever to like act to him, to, him, to hit you in your heart in that way. It can be something broad and commercial, and that's sort of the the beauty of pop. And I think Celine embodies that in a certain way that makes her a very emblematic. Pop figure. She is unapologetically I
1: love it. I love it. As a woman who loves money,
0: I love this. (laughs) Uh,
1: And she she has...
0: So before we get into the Pantheon discussion, I guess it's one thing I want to make sure we touch on a little bit is sort of like the evolution of Celine's celebrity. So like as we were sort of catching, uh, talking about earlier in the conversation, there was sort of an icy, almost like European Francophone feel to her personality early on, like very controlled very, uh, very sort of like tightly wound, and then we've kind of spun off on a completely other trajectory. Maybe mostly post Renee's death, but even before that, right? Like, sure, her persona has the kook has completely flown out, right? Like, in the in recent the times, the kook
1: has completely flown out, and there is not a like. I don't quite know how to put my finger on it because <laughs> it feels uncomfortable, but there are not enough details. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like it's just, it, it. she's just, it's like very campy. It's very kooky. Yes. Anytime I see a quote about her, like it just like, uh, she like wouldn't cut her son's hair. She wouldn't like the, the tabloidy stuff is, yeah, it's, there is a curiosity there that we all have. And clearly she gets ambushed and people want to talk to her and say things, but the, Whatever it is that she is trying to communicate to us, I am not. It is not translating
0: for me. Oh, so, so you're not into you're saying, not into the kook.
1: I I see the kook. I guess like what I mean is I don't know what the meaning of the kook is. I you gotcha. Know? It's like what's going on here? Is it like a kind of kook that I need to be worried about, or is mm. it just like is it okay? And I don't know that, and so I reserve no judgment for it. I know that like I get really excited when I see. Um, you know, like videos of her like reacting to her fans singing to her, her like carpal karaoke was so yeah, fun.
0: That was her fun. entire on the like fashion in the rebrand.
1: <laughs> her fashion rebrand has been amazing. Like the like the the story is that like she saw Zendaya dressed and she was like, Get me the person <laughs> Zendaya and then that she they have the same stylist and her like, I mean, like, her fashion is amazing. But again, like, I guess, like, also what I'm trying to say is that the the thing that is, like, very hard for me in my fandom of, like, anybody, like, whether it's Celine or artists that I like, I really try to, um, I try to keep, like, a critical open mind about, um, you know, I'm like, the relationship that we have is that I pay them money and they give me art. Right. <laughs> everything else I don't deserve I just I try not to have any judgment, but there is a part of me that is like I am I would not be surprised if like in a decade there is a Celine documentary about how, you know, like actually she she's just had like all of these problems and she is mm. like, uh, you know, like right. All, and she has been like trying to to tell us whether it's the concerns about her. You know, like the concerns about her weight or the way that she, mm. the, the like strange weird things that she says or does. And even as we're talking about all these divas, I'm just so struck by the fact that they are avatars and not people, you mm. know? And they're people with complicated lives and complicated feelings. And the music that they give us, like, that's their job. I was like, that's the office for them. Right. It is all professionalism. Right. And so to impugn them for, like, wanting prizes or wanting money or wanting, you know, like, they do the thing that will make them the most money. It's so silly. I was like, this is what they do to feed their families. Yes. Granted, they do it to the tunes of millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, feed their families I for just,
0: generations.
1: <laughs> yeah, for generations. But I, I just, I really, like, want to bring it back, I think, more. I'm more um interested in, like, kind of, what it says about me, and what it says about you, and what it says about our culture, yeah. than it says about this person, because it is not normal to have this level of. Thing. No, it's not normal. Mm-hmm. We have celebrities, and I think that like we we cannot accept that it's a normal way to live life, and that it is not damage. Yes. Like. All by my
0: we better get into the Pantheon discussion. So I, you told me already that you have a thought about what tier Celine fits into in the Pantheon. Want to share? I
1: mean, Celine to me is 100% icon in the Pantheon. You think
0: she's tier, what? she's tier one? She's tier one. She's automatic. She's
1: automatic tier one. And I'm going to tell you why one, uh, first name basis. <laughs> Two, yes. True. Um, she ha- like, she has the receipts. Like the, the albums are all there the prizes are all there that like she, she has all of the markers and more importantly, she also has put in the time. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if we were talking Celine, like five years ago, 10 years ago, I would feel differently about it. But right. today, cause think about who her contemporaries are. Yeah. She has outlived most of them or she has done better than most of them. It's like from that era, like who is left that is still in the conversation Mariah. is Mariah and Mariah's doing great, but like pound for pound, like Celine has like, you know what I mean? Like album, I don't know like though. I mean my, my
0: my problem is I think I feel like in some ways she's like a world tier 1 but an American tier 2 or 3 because when I sort of go through just on a pure numbers basis she has the record sales and she certainly has the sort of like name recognition of like if you're going to name she big pop she has divas. the Vegas residency she has she the has Vegas residency to like but, she, but she but, she, but she's missing some of the like like in terms of pure chart statistics, first of all, most of her hits are contained to a 10-year period. Her celebrity outlives that, but most of Celine's signature hits, unlike a Madonna, unlike a Mariah, unlike some of the other women in this top tier, are actually somewhat confined. And I don't know that she's been able to maintain in terms of releasing new music and a discography that sort of like continues to build through numerous decades. I'm not sure she has it for sure. In the Francophone world. And that's why it gets a little complicated. I did an episode on Kylie Minogue and we had to kind of like rank her separately in like a world, I know. In I the mean, world like, context and then in America. But I
1: think that that, but here's the thing, right? The reason that I push back against that is because I do think that like that is also informed by the foreigner bias. Right. You know what I mean? Where again, it's like that is just like centering, uh, it's centering like American pop culture and not wanting to understand that like um you know like global influence is important oh it's, it's very
0: yeah it certainly is you know it what i mean it's it just, yeah. it's
1: like a it's like my experience of like anytime i go watch like a korean pop video and it has one billion views yeah <laughs> you know like i'm like that's that's what's going on here yeah but no for sure i don't know but the reason that i feel strongly about celine being in this class like beyond that is that I think that the staying power like counts for a lot. I agree. It count it counts for like a tremendous amount. And I also think that like staying power like relative to her contemporaries is very important. Because if you look at like the tier down, she, she like it's almost like I hear you about like it's not perfect. And I was like, I'm happy to be in the middle. Yeah. But I think that like, you know, part of me like putting her in this iconic status is that she She has just, like, never wavered. She has never wavered. There are no missteps. She has done everything right and that's where the like boring things comes from well there's no but missteps again,
0: but there are missteps there's com- like she it, I mean commercial she, missteps yes, in the like, music absolutely yeah yeah like absolutely. like she, she I do think that like the thing that keeps me from wanting to put her there is these other artists have provided massive innovations to the genre that are like so integral to what makes them pillars of the genre and Celine almost is in some ways celebrated for it, but also hampered for her Lacking in that, and I think that that has sort of limited in some ways her ability to like you're
1: telling me that singing in two languages is not an enemy. Oh, no, that is it. Like, who else has done that? That's, that's true. you, but you know what I mean? I that's think, true. but this is what I mean about like, yeah, yes. being again, too American centric. Like, what the value system is, right. I was like, who, like, I've heard the Beyonce songs in Spanish and the Bieber songs in Spanish, <laughs> like, I'm not impressed, I'm not impressed at all, like, not at all. And uh, but you know what I mean? I was like, this is where I, I say that about the bias, and like, and honestly, like, I'm jokey, like, fighting with you because yeah. I think that like we're never gonna agree on this and yes. my color is so like like I am so colored by the fact that like she you know she is a global superstar and she was and, a star for you and your to whole me life,
0: like through childhood yeah, and, and as all far that as kind of I'm stuff.
1: concerned I was like you know like being a global superstar is harder than being in America-only percent. and she does it you know like and she she did it in this like context that is is fascinating and again like you know I think, uh, like, only time will tell because I think that our, like, relationships with these people shifts and changes, but I will say to the audience that I thought that it was fascinating that you wanted to put maybe Taylor Swift in this category <laughs> and, and a listen, world in which, like, Taylor Swift... don't show Swift's my hand no, no, no. on that. They don't no, know no, no, that. No, listen. They don't know that, but I'm telling them now because <laughs> it's an important spoiler. But I'm telling you that, like, a world in which, like, Taylor Swift is an icon. Yeah. And is someone who is accused of pretty much the same thing as Celine Dion. Right. Makes you rethink like like the Taylor Taylor can be like herself because Celine was herself.
0: Yes, but I think the thing that I struggle with is that Taylor has like been able to musically morph in very in many ways to a, to great effect and maintained like success with hit singles and music. And to me, Celine hasn't had that part of her. I mean, I get it what you're saying about the music, uh, the the front. The, it is my American myopic American point of view, and I no, do really. I, but take I, that listen,
1: point. but I but I think that like it's I think I like I find this like really fascinating because this is what I enjoy about pop music is yeah. that. We're agreed on that like we feel good about a certain thing, but we never get precise about what the thing is, which mm. is what is always so fun about this conversation. Yeah. And um and I think that this is also um it also doesn't surprise me because I am, you know what I mean? Like I know that I'm shoehorning her into here, which is my bias. Yes. And um, you know, but th- but it's so emblematic of like what her entire career is. Like, what a weirdo. It's like, how do you even begin? to categorize like the like weirdness of all of it and I agree and
0: of all of them I mean you know some it's it's true that very many people in these top two years don't necessarily hit all the criteria but it's sort of like what they represent is greater than the sum of their parts in a certain way so that's like another big thing you know it's like Celine's celebrity and sort of iconography is almost bigger than you could ever like sort of stack up number one hits against in that in that sense you know what I mean
1: I'm telling you, I'm gonna go now. Go listen to that uh, reggae song and uh, (laughs) and just just be disappointed that people don't think that, including why. Like, first of all, a Christmas album is insane, (laughs) Um, but I enjoy them so much. Uh, Louis, this was really fun. Oh my god, it was so fun. You've like, I don't know. I feel. like, my heart is full again. Like, I was like, Celine, what a we like, what a weird, just like, what a weird thing to enjoy.
0: And I, and I gotta tell you, I want to thank you both for being full of insights, so smart, so gung-ho, like, a gift to this podcast, but also, you know, I'm a big pop fan, and I stan all these people so much. Celine's not somebody that I've spent a ton, a ton of time on, and I really appreciated that you pitched her, because it gave me the opportunity to sit and listen and watch and you know what a fantastic pop star and I'm so glad to have had you on to break that down for everybody
1: oh my god she's impossible to hate she's impossible to hate that's that's what it is when
0: you want it the most right folks so that's it on celine dion i think i take amina's point that she might be somewhat of an international tier one but i think when push comes to shove i'm gonna slot her in here at tier two someone who really her achievements on the chart really just cannot be denied in these upper echelons of this pantheon i mean the amount of hits the amount of records sold it's really just uh pretty remarkable and a lot, a lot of great enduring hits that I think we all still appreciate and love to this day. Thank you so, so much to Amina for being here and for being such a wonderful guest. Please follow Pop Pantheon Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at djlouiexiv. Check out the Celine Essentials Spotify playlist that will be in the show notes of this episode. And I will see you guys here again in two weeks. Bye bye. No